Well, let's jump right into it this evening. Let's take our Bibles and go to Judges chapter 11. Judges chapter 11 in the Word of God. Judges chapter 11. And uh, on Sunday evenings, as many of you know, pretty much all of you know, we've been studying and going through different hurts that are difficult to get over. And we've seen several thus far. Uh, We have seen hurts such as discouragement. Uh, We've seen when things are just not fair. Uh, We've looked at the the subject of overcoming insecurity. We've looked at the hurt of a ruptured relationship. Uh, We have seen even the false accusations that can come from time to time. We've looked at the subject of bitterness. We've looked at briefly, just kind of highlighting the subject of, of depression, the subject of disappointment. And there's many others, we've, we've, a couple of others we've looked at, but many others that you may can even think of that you could add to this list of different hurts or struggles that are hard to get over. And so as you think of this list we just made, can you think of any that you might add to it? Anybody want to give a suggestion to that? Maybe I'll look into it for you, all right? And maybe try to answer that in another, another session, but, but uh, another, another message. But can you think of any of the hurts that are hard to get over? You may think of someone that may be dealing with, all right? You may think of any? Add to that list. I've covered them all. Man, I'm good. That's great. All right. Anyway, there are several others, no doubt, that may come to mind maybe a little bit later. And uh, you let me know those, and I'll try to do some Bible study on them. But there are several, several hurts that people go through that are difficult to face and difficult to, to get over. And uh, anyway, so as we move on and look at another one, uh, I want to come to another difficult that's hard to get over, and it's this one. And it's one that, uh, of course, nobody likes any of these difficulties, but it's one that is a little bit harder for some. And it's this one. You ready? Here we go. We'll look at tonight and go over this hurt of rejection, being rejected, of rejection. Now, I want to ask you a question, and I want you to be honest with me, okay? Who here, <clears throat> who here by nature is, uh, you, you would say, I am a people pleaser? Anybody? Patown, patown, both my hands are up, all right? I am that way. <laughs> Spouses are raising the hands of their spouse. That's good. Okay. Uh, but anyway. But I am by nature that as, as well. Now, who here, you would say, you would say, now, <clears throat> I, uh, you know, it's not that I'm not a compassionate person or nothing, but you don't really, doesn't bother you as much if people like you or not. You mean, you know, again, not necessarily you're not compassionate, uh, but if somebody doesn't like you, well, that's on them because it's their loss. Anybody? All right, a couple. <laughs> all right, I like it. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm jealous of you. All right, I am, I am especially, especially some days, I very much am, am jealous of you. Now, some may be wondering why I'm even bothering asking these questions. But the reason I'm asking is this. If you are by nature, such as me, a people pleaser, then listen, rejection may and probably will bother you more than someone who, eh, I'm not much of a people pleaser. So if you are a people pleaser, well, rejection hits a little bit harder than those that are, that are not. But regardless, in one form or another, for everybody, in one form or another, rejection can hurt. It can stain. Some more than others, but man, it stings. And it can be hard to get over. Rejection can be hard to get over. So let's consider it this evening and uh, let's look at the Scripture 
And the scripture I'd like to look at is this one. It's going to be in Judges chapter 11. And we're going to read verses 1, and, 1 through 3 in just a moment. And uh, hopefully you found your place by now. And if you probably read ahead, or at least read the first two words of this chapter, you already know that the individual we'll look at is the judge Jephthah. Now, some folks already know about the judge Jephthah. And I'd say this crowd this evening probably knows a little bit about him. But they're more familiar with this judge, especially with the vow that he made. The vow he made to the Lord. You see, Jephthah, as he was going about to fight the Midianites, he made a vow to the Lord and said, Lord, if you give me the victory of the Midianites, I will give to you the very first thing that comes out, that comes out to meet me when I come back from the victory. Well, the very first individual that came out to meet him was his daughter. And so the vow he made was a little bit hasty in my opinion, but nobody asked for my opinion, but a little bit hasty in my opinion. But uh, some people tend to think with this vow he made to offer as a sacrifice unto the Lord, some think, well, this sacrifice would have been this way with his daughter, a sacrifice as in killing his daughter. Now, some think that way. But for me personally, I'm just going to give you a highlight of what this is all about, okay, before we dive into the message. But for me personally, I don't think that's exactly where the Scripture is landing. For me personally, what I think was, was about the, the sacrifice here was giving his daughter to the Lord, meaning this, that she would serve the Lord all days of her life, would not be married, not have kids, which is a big deal for him because, listen, this was his only kid, his only daughter. He had no other kids. This was it. So if she was not to marry, not to have kids, then his lineage would stop there with her. Because of the wording that the Bible gives, how she would bewail her virginity, says that two, two times, and at the end of verse number, I think it's verse number uh, 39, it says this, that she, which had, uh, she knew no man, all right? So it kind of tells me that she just remained single the rest of her life in order to give herself completely to the service, the service of the Lord. So anyway... But we, we understand about this man and his vow, and that's what we're more familiar with. But you may not be as familiar with how his story began in verses 1 through 3. Because his story, this judge who God used mightily, his story began with this. You ready? It started with rejection. Right out of the gate in his life, he was rejected by his own family. So let's look at it this evening in Judges chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. The Bible says, Now Jephthah the Giladite was a mighty man of valor, and he was the son of an harlot, and Gilead begat Jephthah. And Gilead's wife bare him sons, and his wife's, uh, his wife's sons grew up. And they thrust out Jephthah, and said unto him, Thou shalt not inherit in our father's house, for thou art the son of a strange woman. Then Jephthah fled from his brethren, and dwelt in the land of Tob. And there were gathered vain men to Jephthah, and went out with him. So right out of the gate, Jephthah is feeling the hurt and the pain of rejection. So, number one, about rejection, here's what I'd like for us to consider, is this. The people that rejection can come from. Who are the ones that can reject us? You see, in moments of rejection, there may be reasons given to why someone rejects you or doesn't like you, doesn't want to be around you or whatever. And those reasons can sting, but the real sting comes, the real hurt comes when the source or from the source of that rejection, meaning who the sting comes from. It's not that the rejection may come, but it's who it comes from. That's where the real hurt and the real sting can come from. But where can it come from? All right, number one. 
Rejection can come from our foes. Now, most of us expect to be rejected by our enemies. That's kind of expected. Would you agree? It's kind of expected. Most are expected to be rejected by those who don't like you. And, uh, well, understandable, I guess. Uh, who here has people who don't like you? Okay, me too. But that happens, all right? And uh, we understand, though expected, you still sting at least a little. At least a little. Uh, maybe you felt this slight sting from a foe before. I want you to know I have. I have felt that before. I felt that when, <laughs> I've not talked about this, and I did it on purpose, all right? I felt that a little bit when running for mayor. I found out that I had enemies I never knew about. Yeah. But I found that out, especially when they started blasting me on social media and emailing the church, which those emails go directly to me. They did not know that. I found that out, all right? And uh, but found out they did not like me, and they let that be known. But even though I didn't know them, they're complete strangers, I still felt a little bit of the steam. I still felt a little bit of it. Maybe you've felt that too. You felt that from your enemies, from your foes, whatever it may be. Listen, it can hurt. It can sting. Where does that rejection, where can it come from? Well, it comes from our foes. We kind of expect that. So some of that's like water on a, on a duck's back. It just rolls off and we go on. But when it can really hurt is when it comes from these individuals, from our friends. So yeah, it can come from foes, but understand it can come from friends too. This is what really stings, and it really stings a lot. Rejection never feels good, but it hurts even worse when it comes from true friends. You see, our friends are the ones we should be able to depend on, should be able to confide in, share our struggles with, even our dreams. And we should be able to fully be yourself with a trusted friend. But when that trust is broken and rejected by friends, this can leave a very discouraged and depleted individual. The Bible says this in Psalm 41, 9, Yea, mine own familiar friend. This is David speaking. His own familiar friend, a, a, a friend maybe he thought he could trust, his familiar friend in whom he trusted. The Bible says, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel again. Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude of swords and staves, and the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whosoever I shall kiss, that same as he, hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus, and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. Listen, Jesus has been rejected by his friends as well. Another portion of Scripture talked about the other disciples, that when they took Jesus to arrest them, they all forsook him and fled. He knows what it means to be rejected. He knows how that feels. He knows how that stings. He knows that pain and hurt. And that's what the Bible says in Hebrews 4, 15, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He knows how that feels. And since he knows that, can I encourage you this evening to rest in Him and find your peace and find your grace and find your acceptance in the Lord Jesus Christ. So where can, where can this source of the rejection come from? Well, our foes, we kind of expect that. But it can come from friends. But another one it can come from, and this one, this one stings really bad too. It can come from family. It can come from our own flesh and blood. Listen, Family is one of the most precious gifts that we have on this earth. And rejection from this source can be one of the hardest things to recover from. It really can. And this is the type of rejection that Jephthah faced himself. You see, Jephthah, he bore a stigma that, listen, he couldn't help that. 
He wore a title over his head that he did not choose for himself. And that title was this. He was the son of a strange woman. What does that mean? Meaning he was the son of an harlot. Again, this was not something he chose. This was not his fault. But, but his brothers would not accept him as one of their own and kicked him out of their house, wanting nothing to do with him. Wanting not to give him any of the inheritance, nothing to do with Jephthah. And Jephthah was rejected by his own family. Again, this is something that Jesus has felt to the core. He too has been rejected by his own family. The Bible says this in Mark chapter 6, verse 1 through 6. And he went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogues. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Jude and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, among his own kin, in his own house, and he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Again, in John chapter 7, verse 2 through 5, Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles in hands, his brother therefore, uh, brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to, to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. For neither did his brethren believe on him. So understand rejection, it hurts, it cuts deep, but it cuts even deeper when it's from your own family. And folks, if we do not, if we do not address the, the rejection, even among family and friends, listen, this kind of rejection can overtake your mind, overtake your heart, cause great damage, and uh, listen, it, we will, it will do more than we can understand, ever understand in our life. We'll find some answers to rejection in just a moment, all right, we'll get to that. But these are some sources that it can come from. Foes, friends, family. And it stings and it hurts. But here's some potential, number two, potential responses to rejection that we can face from time to time. All right, what's a response? Well, here's one. Confusion. <laughs> Confusion. It's pretty obvious. You see, rejection has a way of messing with our minds. It can leave us a twisted viewpoint of the situation, uh, of of the relationship, a twisted viewpoint of the, the friendship or whatever it may be, even a twisted viewpoint of ourselves. We can do this. The mind games can start, start to go. We can say, well, what, what did I do? Well, what didn't I do? Well, what did I say? Well, what didn't I say? And listen, the, the, the confusion and the rejection of our emotions can get the better of us and cause us to think it's something that we did when in reality it may not be something we did at all. <laughs> or something we could avoid it. So, we can try to figure it out why someone may be rejecting us, but they just leave us more confused. Okay. Another response is this. Not only confusion, but we can see this one. This one happens pretty readily, but contention. Understand rejection can transform the view, yes, of ourselves and of the situation, but it can transform the view we have of the others and of other people. And what do I mean by that is this. When facing rejection, our trust has been broken. It can be tough to trust other people again. 
For instance, if a friend betrayed you and rejected you, then you might not risk having a close friendship again. And listen, friendship is vital and it's important in our lives. It is. You may have one or two friends, but listen, that's important to have one or two friends. It's important. But if that rejection has happened with friends, you may be tempted not to get close to an individual in friendship again, which can lead to many other things. Lead to bitterness, anger, contention. Listen, it just kind of leads to that. Did you know that many, I read a little study on this, many, not all, but many folks who struggle with anger have experienced a significant rejection in their past. There are grown adults, men and women, who, who have struggled with this, meaning when you do a little bit deeper dive into their angry spirit or contentious spirit, you'll find out that that spirit of anger really stems from a rejection of their past. And that rejection comes from someone they trusted dearly. A lot of times it's family. Uh, maybe as kids they were rejected by, they might have thought they were rejected by their, by their, by their parents, uh, whatever it may be, because they're not good enough kind of thing. And uh, so they experience that and they feel they've been rejected. And that just kind of boils over in, as in their adulthood and just kind of comes out in different ways. Of these reactions, no, we can still do what's right. All right. So as we come to, as we're still thinking of, of rejection, we come to the end of it. Here's where I really want to land and, and, and stop for a second. Because we need to see this. I would like for us to consider some principles when it comes to rejection. Rejection. Now, I know I'm, I'm using the term rejection in a broad sense, all right, in a very broad sense, hoping that you'll be able to take it and put it, in, put it into uh, application in your own life, all right? In a broad sense, and I'm using that. But take these principles and use them the same way. It, it, apply them to your own life, all right? So when faced with rejection, if you ever face it, here is something you need to understand and keep in mind. Communication is key, all right? It is highly, highly, highly important. Communication. Now, what is communication? Here it is. Communication is a process by which information is exchanged between individuals. It's pretty simple. We understand that. We get that. But listen, when there is no communication, no information exchanged between individuals, then that's when the individuals are left to their own imaginations. And their own assumptions, their own ideas, their own thoughts, and therefore their own conclusions of the whole matter. And their conclusion may be completely wrong and distorted. Why? Because of a lack of communication. And when you only have half the information, you can't make a strong conclusion. Therefore, we must communicate. Now, I am convinced that many, not all, but many of our relationships that fail... In our society, in our churches, in our homes, in our marriages, the, the relationships in our lives that fail, they fail because there's a lack of talking, a lack of communication. In uh, the premarital counseling that I do, man, I talk about this all the time. Just about every single session, I bring up communication. A lot of times in premarital counseling or postmarital, any kind of counseling, I'm always asking for questions. I want to hear your questions. What questions you may have about, about marriage or, or, or whatever? Tell me. Tell me. What, what question do you have? Because the questions they may have in the moment is what's on their heart and mind, and they want those answers. That's what's important to them at that moment. And some of the questions are, you know, they, they, they may seem mundane and like, that's easy one. But I always go back to this. Well, 
Have you talked to her about it? Have you talked talk to him about it? Well, I just, no. Have you talked about it? <laughs> Again, just trying to emphasize the importance of talking. We have to communicate. But many people don't want to, especially when it comes to a hurt, especially when it comes to a pain, such as rejection or any of these we've looked at, really. We don't want to talk about it. Why? Because it's hard. It's very uncomfortable. That's, that's why. But we, we have to talk. We have to talk things, things through. So if there's rejection maybe feeling, or know about, talk it out. All right, what's another principle? Okay. Rejection could be a sign you're doing what's right. What do I mean by this? All right, Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 through 12, the Bible says this. Blessed are ye. When men shall revile you, ridicule, that's what it means, scorn, denounce, reject. When, when men shall revile you, persecute you, shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. For my sake rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Understand when you decide to follow Christ, understand not everyone will want to follow you. All right. Again, I've experienced this as well. I remember when I gave my life to God. Whatever, Lord, whatever you want for my life, whatever you want to do with my life, it is yours. I truly gave a, a Romans 12, 1, presented my body a living sacrifice unto God. Not 20 years old. Lord, it's yours. And he called me to preach, began to follow, follow the Lord that way and try to serve the Lord that way. I found out very quickly that uh, my friends didn't want to go the same direction. They won't have the same conversations. Didn't have the same interests anymore. And I didn't have to leave them. They left me, you know. So sometimes when you may feel some rejection, it's not because you're doing anything wrong. Maybe because you're doing something right. So that's that principle. You may be doing what is, what is right. So rejection could be a sign you're doing what is right. All right, what's another principle? Here's another one. Rejection may have nothing to do with you. Again, sometimes... When we face rejection, we are tempted to believe the problem lies with us, but this isn't always true. The problem may be completely with another individual or individuals, and this was the case again in the life of the prophet Samuel. It's pretty interesting to read about this one. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 4-7, through 7, the Bible says this, Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now, Make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee. For, here it is, listen, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. So maybe after Samuel, maybe after serving the people for so many years, maybe this faithful prophet thought, Well, is it, is it my fault? Uh, did I do something? Is there something I could have done better? W what did I do to cause you not to want uh, a prophet to, to, to lead over you? W what did I do? But again, God assured Samuel that the people's rejection had nothing to do with Samuel. Nothing to do with him. So sometimes, listen, rejection may not really be anything about you either. So as you face rejection, take this last principle really to heart and 
put it in your back pocket, all right? Understand this. When it comes to rejection and any of these hurts we've looked at, please know Jesus is all you need. He really is. Jesus is all you need. The Bible says in Psalm 73, 25, Whom have I in heaven but thee? There is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. You know, the devil wants us to think that God isn't enough. Even when, 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 you, when you have all of the Lord, right? He, he wants us to, to think that even when we have God and with God, we're still incomplete. But understand, we are not at all. It's in Christ and through Christ we are completely complete. Understand, it's through Christ and the Word of God we have everything we need. Listen, listen to these verses. They're so encouraging. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 4. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things, listen, listen to it, has given unto us all things that pertain unto, here it is, life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So, so according to these verses, according to 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4, we have everything we're ever going to need, where? In Christ and in the Word of God. Jesus is sufficient, and so is the Scripture, all right? He's all we need. That song is not just a good song to sing. It's a good principle to live by. He is truly all that we need. It's in Christ. And at the cross, we are completely accepted by God. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the beloved. It's in Christ. Therefore, therefore, come to Christ and rest in Him. I don't like rejection. Completely honest, transparent. I, I want everybody to like me. I do. But it just doesn't happen. You know? I do. I don't like being rejected. I don't. But it happens. I know you felt it. Maybe you're feeling even now. But understand, we are completely accepted in the Lord Jesus Christ. And for that, I can rest in, have peace in, pillow my head at night in, and that very fact and very truth. And listen, Jesus, He's enough. He's sufficient. The Word of God is sufficient. Rest in Him and rest in the Word of God.